So what's up, Coach? Did you, you? I'm sure you watched the national championship game. What was your take on it? Oh man, you know you gotta watch. You watch when it, when it gets down to March Madness. You gotta watch every game you can because you know you're gonna go on like five months of no exciting sports. Well, Darren, <laughs> you do know that the championship game was one of the lowest rated games I believe ever in March Madness uh, history. It had a really low rating of like a ten point three. So not everybody was watching, but you're right. If you're a basketball hoop junkie, you got to watch the NCAA March Man, especially the championship game, the finale. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think part of that slanted as well because there were so many more avenues to watch the game this year with streaming. Oh, that, that counts. That counts streaming too. They, they, they oh, do, really? Yes. They, what happens is they, they can get the live TV results right away, but it takes about a day to get the actual streaming results. That's what they, they do. So they do count in the streaming results, but it just takes a little bit longer. So that was with streaming and everything. Right. Well, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought it was a fantastic game. I mean, for, you know, kind of got what you expected. Villanova was the best team. They came out. They dominated. You know, uh, Michigan had been overachieving. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I don't want to say they ran out of gas, but you know, the, the Cinderella ended, you you don't have to be a a low major or mid major to necessarily be Cinderella. Um, and I think, you know, Michigan had won some games and with a lower seed and, and, and got to a place where, you know, a lot of people maybe didn't expect them and, and Villanova, you know, took care of business. Uh, you know, Michigan as, as Beeline alluded to, you know, they had a game plan. They were going to have to play a pretty close to a perfect game and, and they did some things. They changed their defense to an extent to really take away the three-point line and, um, you know, to see if they could expose Villanova. And uh, Villanova did what they had to do. They were able to attack off the bounce. You know, DiVincenzo, you know, get all the, got all the praise up to that point as a, as a, as a shooter. And, and, yes, he knocked down some, some big-time shots. But, you know, I thought what, what got overshadowed a bit was the time where he took the ball off the bounce and scored at the rim in traffic and, um, you know, they were able to get some things inside as well. So, uh, you know, the best team with the most talent won, and it, it was an exciting year and, and, and an awesome year for Michigan. I mean, they, they, they did some, you know, being, being second out of 350 teams isn't all that bad. I mean, you know, I thought they, they had a, you know, a heck of a, heck of a run at it. Well, yeah, that is true. And DiVincenzo did had a couple of uh, backdoor cuts for uh, a couple uh, dunks, and then also a good block on Xavier Simpson. Under he double blocked it, basically blocked it with his left hand and his right hand right on the backboard. But in the game planning, and I wanted to ask you this from a coach's perspective: How is it that a guy like DiVincenzo scores thirty-one points? I mean, Michigan had to know that someone coming off their bench, someone like DiVincenzo, who, who plays pretty decent. I mean, he don't go out and hit thirty-one all the time. But even the broadcasters, like Grant Hill, said, you know, this is their sixth starter, and he just went out there and he kind of filleted him. I mean, DiVincenzo, a really good player. Uh, you know, he had big games throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether you're the the, the, the sixth player, you're the fourth player. I mean, you know, part of that is a chemistry thing because, you know, Villanova has some older guys. But, um, um, you, you know, it, he showed that he was able to, to be more than just a shooter. And, and you look, uh, some of those threes he took were not only deep but had someone right in his face. I mean, he made some contested shots and then was able to rip and go finish. You know, he's, he's long and athletic probably more so than people would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, Michigan's defense was really extended and spread out um, much more than, than they're comfortable with and more than they intend to play because they wanted to take away the three-point line and, and force Villanova to beat them in a different manner. And they did. They beat them with really deep threes, but they beat them, as you alluded to, the back cuts because the help side was removed. Um, they beat them with getting to the basket and then also some offensive rebounding. 
And what's also, uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, what's also important to know is that Jalen Brunson didn't play for like the, a good seven-minute stretch, and this is a guy that's the, the player of the year in college basketball in, 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 in NCAA, and Villanova still just handed it to, <laughs> to Michigan. I really wanted to see Michigan win, though. I mean, I obviously maybe because of the local ties, and plus, you know, Michigan's kind of a local team here. and I, I really admire how Beeline uh, runs his teams, but, I mean, Jay Wright, through the whole tournament, Villanova beat every team by double digits. Is that that's pretty impressive? That, that was extremely impressive, and I and I didn't think it got highlighted enough. Not only did they win, but you know I, I think it was like by twelve points or fourteen yes. points or more average of twelve points. Yep. Yeah, I mean, just I mean that that that's hard to do. Um, I'm not sure this year or last year, but I know in 2016 the average margin of victory in the NCAA tournament was like two point nine points. Yeah. Um, so for you know when you compile all the 64 games total, but so to win every game by, by, by 12 or more is, is, is extremely impressive. And, and, you know, they, you know, they have, you know, eight or nine guys that can really play. And, and, you know, as you alluded to Brunson, um, yeah, he was a player of the year and he drew a lot of attention, um, you know, with, with the scouting part. And that, that, that's the other thing, you know, you see a lot of guys in college basketball, especially in high school, sometimes, um, you know, when they're the third, fourth, fifth, sixth option, um, they have these great, games or, or or even you know pretty good seasons and then when you know they they, they don't they get kind of comfortable and you hear sometimes the sophomore or the, or the upperclassmen slump and and it's because you know they don't necessarily develop and grow their game in the offseason and then when they're the first and second option they get exposed for their for their weaknesses of not being a totally complete player um and i think you know that the way they were trying to take away you know brunson and, and bridges um, you know, just opened up opportunities for other guys. Now, would he be able to score 31 if he was the number one or number two guy in his scouting report? You know, it's probably, you know, probably a little bit different scenario, but he definitely showed a lot of people that he's a very well-rounded player. Well, it goes to show you sometimes when you when you start to be the main guy on the scout and sometimes you get a double team, sometimes maybe a stunt, <laughs> your game has to be totally changed. So we'll see what happens with DiVincenzo uh, next season. The, the tournament, obviously from coaching aspects, I, I, I thought it was I thought Michigan and Loyola Chicago was a good game. Obviously, the game with Villanova and Kansas. I don't know what the heck happened there, but that was that was horrid. That, that was horrible game I thought Kansas would bring it bring it a little bit and Villanova said uh no but talk about Loyola Chicago's run uh with uh Moser I mean actually Loyola Chicago played at Toledo last season and I got to watch a little bit of their uh pregame uh, actually wasn't really supposed to be in the gym but, but since I was part of the radio station I had to set up and I thought oh wow this is a pretty decent coach and a decent team never I would have imagined that they would get to the final four um, also, I met Drew Valentine last season. Uh, he came to scout one of our players at St. John's. So it was like, wow, this is pretty cool. But what made the magic happen for Loyola Chicago? You know, I, I think they just they really just caught some lightning in a bottle. I mean, they really they, they got something really special with, with their, their group of seniors. They got some guys that had really bonded together. And, and, and when you get that bond and that belief, you know, the, the, sometimes there's just it's just almost like a superpower that, that nothing – Nothing can uh, can stop you, and you saw it several years ago with Virginia Commonwealth, and you saw it with with Butler with the run they had, and, and you know at different times you, you you come across it in high school basketball. But I don't think it was it, it, you know it, it was certainly just an aberration. I mean you, you know you can put factor sister Jean into it, but it's not like um, and, and it amazes me 
you know, I got some stuff here for you. All hundreds and hundreds of commentators that you have not heard. But it amazes me. These guys on TV, they get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some millions. Down, some millions. Yeah, to, to break down college basketball. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, Porter Moser was like this godsend that came from, from, from outer space for, of the base, basketball gods. And he's an awesome guy. I've known him for, for 15, 17 years. Um, but, you know, I think he would even have to attest, you know, he didn't expect this. You know, this was a special run with a special group of guys. You look at his career, you know, he's been a head coach for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Never once, never once in his entire career before this year did he finish in the top four in his conference. Never once. You know, he's had 10 straight losing seasons in conference <laughs> play at Loyola, Chicago, and Illinois State. 10 straight losing records. The last time he had a winning record in conference play was 12 years ago at, at Arkansas Little Rock, and he was, I think, eight, 9 and 7. Ooh. So it, it's not like he's had the, the, this, this amazing coaching pedigree, amazing run. And to be honest, it's, it's actually very grateful and, and for him and, and the administrations that he's worked for that he's, that he's still head coach, you know, to have this opportunity. Because there's not a lot of guys in this day and age with the craziness of the way administrators think that could have 10 straight losing seasons at two different schools and conference play and still be a head coach. And here he goes and never finish in the top four. You figure a guy that just played in the NCAA Final Four the final four games, the, the probably the most exciting sporting event in the world, um, never finished in the top four in his, in his career until this year. And that, I, that, that just blew my mind that nobody brought that up. Nobody pointed that out, um, how much of a special lightning-in-the-bottle type scenario this was this season for Loyola Chicago, the players, and, you know, Porter Moser. I think they didn't want to be, you know, Debbie Downers either, you know, on the broadcast. You kind of want to be hyped. And, I mean, Sister Jean, basically, did you hear about how when she went to go do the press conference, it was a whole bunch of media there. And then when the team did their press conference before the Final Four, there was like three. I mean, I mean, Sister Jean was starting to have, you know, bobblehead dolls. They were trying to market her. It was being a commercialization. It was more about, was it more about Sister Jean or was it about the team? But, what that well, I think it was a, it, it's a feel-good story. You know, I, let, let's let's be honest. You know, there's a lot of college basketball fans. You and I, are, you know, are college basketball guys. But the the NCAA tournament is 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 kind of a global deal, and everybody gets involved in the brackets, and everybody you know gets involved in the pomp and circumstance. May or may not be necessarily basketball knowledgeable or basketball fans. So now you have this side plot that everybody can relate to. True. You know, they're not they're not picking their brackets based on the color of the uniforms or the mascots. <laughs> um, and so it just it just it just becomes it just becomes a feel you know the feel good story. But it's also you know I mean listen, my mom knows nothing about basketball, and she was calling me and telling me about Sister Jean updates. So I was, you know that, that that's what I knew, but. You know, but but I saw uh, I, I saw a tweet. I forget who it was but a couple of weeks ago in the middle of the tournament, and they said, "Hey, you know, you gotta love the Catholics because they'll find a way to monetize anything." Yeah, it <laughs> and, is. You true. know, Loyola, Loyola Chicago made a ton of money off Sister Jean in the last month, and you know, but what what a great experience for her and 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 uh, and the you know not only the the players but but the, the students that go to that university who haven't been able to. You know, people don't necessarily always speak of Loyola Chicago to go for academic prowess or athletic prowess. They go there for academic prowess. So to be able to, you know, to reap the benefits of of that magical run as a student uh, on that campus, I I suspect that had to be a really cool 
uh, scenario here. You, 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 there was probably a lot of guys trying to decide if they were going to go to spring break or not or try to go to catch one of these ball games. Yeah, that's true. Uh, now, also another local tie, Kate Octor coaches there for their women's team, and you know their program for the women's team has kind of been in the dumps since uh, Cheryl Swoops was uh, let go. So she had to really uh, try to rebuild that program. Maybe next year the women will make a little bit of a run. You, you never know; it might inspire them. Um, but the, the, the fact of the matter is, do you think also with Loyola Chicago going to the the Missouri Valley Conference, maybe that kind of helped them a little bit because it was always in the horizon. Yeah, I mean, you know, potentially they, they certainly, uh, you know, played some better competition throughout, you know, to, to be seasoned and battle tested throughout throughout the season. I mean, you know, the Missouri Valley is 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 a really really good league. You know, I, I've always felt Missouri Valley and and, and the Mid American Conference, uh, you know, don't get the, the the love and due justice that they deserve. And 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 certainly in, in more recent years, the Missouri Valley has has probably separated itself a little bit from the Mid American Conference. But in the last twenty years, both both conferences have had very, very strong showings in NCAA tournament and are, and are just just battles in the regular season. I mean, and oftentimes they beat each other up so much in the regular season, and it creates this this controversy come championship week. If you don't win your conference tournament, you know, the, the selection committee doesn't think you necessarily deserve an NCAA tournament bid because of your the losses that you may have incurred, but you're playing really good teams that have shown that they maybe deserve uh, and I'm biased. I'm very, very mid-major biased. Always have been. Always will be. But I would take the second-place MAC or Missouri Valley team over the sixth-place, seventh-place SEC, ACC team every single year. Um, you know, and 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 sometimes I suppose you'll be right. Sometimes you'll be wrong because Syracuse goes and wins a game, or you know, this year in the tournament, and and they were the last, you know, last or second to last team in. But more times than not, I think that second-place mid-major team tends to do better in the big dance than some of these lower level teams. You saw the, the you know, the Pac, Pac-12 teams and, and the, those lower um, SEC teams, you know, don't necessarily usually fare too well. Well, even the better ones, look at Arizona, they lost to Buffalo. <laughs> yep. And they lost, you know, by 12. But, you know, and on the because other, they had to play Maction. They had to face the Maction. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, UMBC, you know, sounds like a community college, ended up knocking off Virginia. So this was, a, a, I think, overall a good tournament. But then again, though, Probably NCAA likes to look at the, uh, the 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 money factor and what's bringing in, and a lot of people say this is that the first weekend they want to see the upsets, but at the end of the day they want to see the big dogs like Kansas and Duke. People were saying that was the national championship game. That I think a higher rating than the actual national championship game itself. It's just I guess it's maybe more or less relatability. You know, I think I think you're you're, you're very right. You know, the the general public loves the Cinderella upset story. Up until about the Sweet 16, yep. but as I was alluding to a little bit earlier, so many of the of the people who jump on the NCAA tournament, fill out your bracket bandwagon, aren't necessarily basketball people diehards. Mm-hmm. So after two weeks of this, they start to lose a little bit of interest. True, you know, th- there's there's way more people interested in that first two days, mm-hmm. you know, that make their guys trips to Las Vegas or take off work to sit at you know the sports bar all day and watch basketball way more people i think are interested in that first two days or first four days i should say of the tournament probably than the final four itself that that, that is true we also got david the guy man got harris on the phone line uh what was your take sure i think just think about the entire final four as a whole i kind of agree with the coach or coach cone kind of when we think about any of these major tournaments it's the same really with college football no one the diehards are going to watch no matter what but if you're trying to get that casual fan 
still looking for the storyline. So they're going to gravitate to a sister gene. They're going to gravitate to a UMBC. And I think the more casual fans can see some of these small teams and realize, hey, they're more than just a storyline. Look at the way that they're coaching. Look at the way that their game plan styles, which may or may not look similar to the quote-unquote blue blood. But there's this kind of style moxie that they have, this kind of energy that, hey, we're the team that no one really thinks that we're going to advance far. Let's show them. And I think when we have a tournament like this where there is a lot of blue bloods kind of losing in those early rounds or when you get later in the round, blue bloods are either upsetting themselves or blowing each other out. I think in a way that can convince more casual fans to become diehards, but then again, if they're starting this process in March, they're already like four or five months behind the eight ball because the diehards are watching the preseason basketball tournament, even though those are just kind of chance to show off kind of the, the new recruits, I guess would be the best way to say it, and then implement game style, see who's on these rosters. But I think because the NCAA is a global game, if we can get more of these stories to take off and more of these casual fans to not care or not just care about the tournament when their bracket is still in play, I think that's going to be a sign that something's working in college basketball. Yeah, I was tearing up my bracket. Now, the NCAA tournament's over. Now we look.